Welcome back to North and Goal. Uh, those of you who are listening from the year 2050 and uh, figuring out what <laughs> happened, we, we got a little making up to do here because uh, we are now known for just dropping the ball. Uh, a lot like, I don't know, Utah running backs of whatever. I no, I'm not going to allow that. I don't know. I don't I'm know. Not a, <laughs> I'm not going to allow that. I think it's. Thinking of some burn from I don't know when Utah running backs last had a lot of fumbles, but I'm sure there's. Well, I'm I mean, sure last year anyway, we Tavion Thomas yeah. in the BYU game. I mean, that was the reason he didn't. Oh yeah, that was the reason he didn't play very much the first three games is because he had fumble issues. Um, it took him a while to get going, and when he did, he was awesome. But yeah, you know, we're we're just glad to be back. I want to clarify one thing you said. You said yeah. we haven't we haven't recorded podcasts. For public consumption, we made them, but they were just too good. We couldn't let anyone else hear. <laughs> we we kept them and internalized them, and they're just for our hearing only. They weren't people in the public could not consume them. They're just ours, so they have been recorded, but nobody else has heard them. So it would be safe to call that the sealed portion of the North and Gold podcast <laughs> right. to yep. come forth at some future date as uh, Jake and I seem worthy, deem worthy. Well, well, part of it was my wife loved the podcast so much she wanted to show it to all her friends. So I gave her a copy of the podcast, and she lost it. Right? <laughs> and so, and so to rather than re-record and contradict ourselves in any of them, we just decided to pick up and let those let those lost podcasts be out there somewhere, and we'll just pick up and, and start anew. I hate how many of our enemies are out there that are just trying to have that gotcha moment, being like, no, no, you said this, and now you're saying this, so which is it, you flip-flopper? So, yeah, we'll just move forward with with new content. Yep. It's Uh, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. So would you consider just jumping right into uh, to content here? Uh, I know following loosely the Utes last season, you mentioned Tavion Thomas got the bulk of the reps in that first game. They kind of went back and forth and back and forth with their premier. Who's who's your best running back right now? Who are you looking forward to seeing as your ball carrier? Well, it's going to be Tavion Thomas. I mean, he the man had in in basically a, a 75% of the season because he didn't, didn't touch the ball much for three games. He had 21, I believe it was, touchdowns. And over a thousand yards rushing, he's just big. He's 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 strong. He doesn't have blazing speed like uh, like the, the the great Ty Jordan, rest in peace. But he he has good enough speed, so he he'll be our premier running back. But you you mentioned you wanted to kind of recap the end of last season because the sealed book or the sealed podcast <laughs> we talked about it, but the public hasn't heard it. So you want to just do like a one minute kind of recap on on last year Ooh. as we as we dive into the 2022 college football season. Yeah, it was incredible how the the pre bowl game podcast we got every prediction exactly right, yeah. and then the wrap up um, we we treated that with a lot of humility and modesty. We didn't talk about how good we were. Those were yeah. both uh, all time episodes. No one will ever hear. We uh, serve we yeah, serve quietly, right? <laughs> BYU not so great against uh, UAB, and honestly, it's been so long. I. I have forgotten all the details because I move on from losses real quick. But I will say, while watching the game, even first quarter, watching it unfold, uh, I think there really is something to be said for teams that are coming off of a big successful season and maybe feel a little let down that they deserved a better bowl and didn't get a better bowl and it's hard to get hyped and amped. UAB, if you were to compare the whole year last year of everyone they played, I mean, they're not, they're no slouch. They, they played, you know, Texas State and uh, West, or no, I'm looking back a couple years. They, they, they played some teams that weren't that great. Um, 
and so UAB is no slouch, but they, you know, they're maybe fifth, sixth, seventh on the best opponent list for the whole season. So I don't blame BYU players. Well, I do blame them, but I, I can't fault them for not getting uh, inherently hyped up for the matchup, the location, the place, and then having Jaron Hall out. First quarter, I thought we're in trouble. UAB feels like they are emotionally in this game, and we are not, and that's that's how it unfolded, in my opinion. Uh, not to make excuses, but that is my analysis on the game. Yeah. And you know, I can agree with with that being you know disappointed and let down for uh, higher expectations. I look no further than the Utah 2019 season. We enter the Pac-12 championship game 11 and one, ranked number five in the country. If we had won that game, we likely would have been in the playoffs because two SEC teams were you know playing each other in the championship game that were ranked ahead of us. So all we had to do was beat Oregon. Oregon destroyed us. Julian Blackman got injured. We went to the Alamo Bowl. We were disappointed. I understand totally. So I don't. I don't fault them at all. As far as the Utes go, I, I was. I was mentioning earlier. I was drinking water, and let me show you what my cup says here. Nice. What, what does that say for the listeners, brother? Uh, brother Benjamin. This is Rose Bowl Gam Game Game. Yes, Rose Bowl Game Cup, baby. Look. The Rose Bowl was a spectacular event. I understand that we came out of that game with a loss. However, having the Rose Bowl be your ultimate goal for as long as we've been in the Pac-12 and sitting in that stadium as the sun set and the San Gabriel Mountains took a purple hue, you look across the sideline and the Ohio State University is over there. It's a sublime setting it felt amazing and the game was spectacular to match i mean it was back and forth back and forth high scoring huge plays big swings our quarterback cam rising gets injured a pig farmer nobody's ever heard of from a town that doesn't really even exist i don't think comes in and leads a drive under two minutes to go to throw a game tying touchdown in the back of the end zone it was storybook it was incredible yes obviously i would much rather left with a win but I left that thing feeling satisfied, like, holy cow, what, what a cap to a season. The season started so terrible, starting one and two, having another player gunned down and murdered, and then to rebound from that, win our first Pac-12 championship, and go to the Rose Bowl against The Ohio State University, it was an incredible experience. So, looking back, yes, obviously I'd rather win it, but I, I don't care. It was an awesome event, and I had a ton of fun, and man, it was fun. So that, my friend, is what sets us up. For the 2022 college football season, which uh, putting on my pretend Utah hat because I don't actually I do own one Utah hat. Someone mailed me after the house fire like as a joke, but putting on my pretend Utah hat, uh, it does feel like you're going into this year with some momentum, which can be dangerous because uh, you know when teams believe over buy into the hype of we inherently are just better and don't have to prepare as much because we're just that good you can set yourselves up for failure but as i'm looking and i don't have it in front of me but i looked through the utah schedule and that schedule flows nicely you know you get through this first this this matchup in florida at florida and then it's like, what's the next game that you're circling saying, ooh, we got to watch out for that one? I mean, it just seems like they get – it's like near the end that you actually have another challenge. Yeah, well, the thing that I like about it is the fact that we are opening with Florida because in years past, you know, almost not, – not intentionally, but it would seem like Witt would kind of tinker around with, with lineups and the offensive line specifically. Oh, we got a couple games to figure it out. Well, you know, we're still figuring it out, depth chart. But the thing is that we open with 
with Florida at Florida. And yes, Florida is not uh, at the height of what they typically are. I mean, they're, they're SEC royalty. They're one of the, the four or five teams in the SEC that is looked at as, as, as a near blue, if not a blue blood, at least a near blue blood. They've won national championships, tons of, you know, they've got tons of Heisman Trophy winners, three Heisman Trophy winners, I believe. Um, and so they, they, they've got all the history. The Swamp is one of the most intimidating places to play. So I think the fact that we open at Florida has kind of accelerated the, um, how do I put it, like the get serious timeline. Like we've got to have our line in place. we got to make sure we are ready to go because we're not opening with Southern Utah or Weber State, right? So I think right. I like the fact that we open with a with a with a uh, with a big team like that, um, and the fact that we're ranked seven. I mean, dude, the hype for this season has been off the charts. Like it is crazy to see and watch podcasts of national guys. I watched them this morning. And said, "Man, does Florida have the offense to keep up with Utah?" It's like, dude, I still have to like knock myself in the head. Like, what is that <laughs> really a comment people are making? Because as you know, yeah. Utah's been offensively challenged for a few years. You know, earlier on the Pac-12. But to hear someone say that, it's like, man, I can't believe it. Can you? Does Florida have the offense to keep up with Utah? It's just, it's just, it's surreal. But man, it's uh, we've got a ton of hype, tons of tons of expectations. And Florida, even though they are they are down from the, whatever, they're still super talented, man. They still recruit at a high level and have tons of athletes and speed. And so it's going to be one of our two or three toughest games. So if we can get past them, then the the, the big stretch to me is. UCLA, USC back-to-back, and I think UCLA is going to be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. They've got a fifth-year started quarterback who was uh, – I mean, he was pretty good. They won eight games last year. You know, they can they can improve. So uh, I, I think UCLA is going to be undefeated going into that Utah game because they have a total crap schedule leading up to that point. So whether they're good or not, they will, they will have an inflated record and probably be ranked, and it'll look – like they're better than they probably are. So we go we go to UCLA and then follow it up with USC at home. Those two games will make or break our schedule at that point. I mean, Utah's talked about as a playoff contender, which, I mean, dude, they started at number seven. So, yes, they are. Whether you like it or not, they're technically in the play for the playoffs. If we th- Those two games will make or break our season, I think, right there. If we can, if we can win I, both those, then we should be looking good going towards the end. I think most playoff predictions that I've seen and it may be, well I'd say more than half have included Utah you know people saying preseason here's who I see in the playoff and it it makes sense to me they they have kind of a clear natural path there there is just those few tests to get over I and that's not me doing that typical like oh the Pac-12 is bad the Pac-12 is bad I'm not saying I'm just saying when I think about Utah's strengths versus who their opponents are I see it being a easy path for them to get there, and then well, yeah, it's, it's, Alabama ranked number one first round of the playoff, and and there's your real test that nobody's going to get out of that. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's it's they're not. Yeah, when you say a playoff prediction, they're not saying here we're predicting the best four teams in America. It's the four teams that have the best chance to make the playoff. And yeah, Utah right. is has got an easier path than teams in the SEC. It's just a fact, right? I mean, our our three toughest games are probably going to be. I think Florida, just because a season opener, everybody's up for it. There's no, oh, our season's over, we're not going to try. I mean, everybody's up for a season opener. At Florida, that's one. USC at home. They, I mean, granted, everyone says, oh, USC sucked last year. Well, dude, this isn't even the same remotely same team as last year. Completely different coaching staff, which, by the way, the head coach that has led a team to four playoffs. Uh, a quarterback who was um, one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year for Oklahoma. They've got tons of transfers i mean it's literally like a free agent team it's like an, an nfl team that just got a bunch of free agents so usc is going to be really really good and then at oregon at the, the second to last game of the year 
uh, in Autzen, which, man, it's it's always tough to play there. And if Oregon's good, which they're looking like they could be, depending on what happens to their quarterback, then uh, that'll be that'll be those three games are our three toughest. And then, of course, if we make the Pac-12 title game, that'll be the part of the, the four toughest. But yeah, right now it's Florida, SC, and, and Oregon are three games that are huge on our schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just want to say too, I like Florida. I've always uh, just you know kind of rooted for them as my faraway team. I think when I was a little kid, their colors are awesome. You know, they yeah. just and Gators. Who doesn't love Gators when you're a little yeah. kid? My but brother-in-law they, grew up. Sorry. Oh, did he? Yeah, my no brother-in-law grew area? up grew up in Jacksonville, so he he's okay. you know an hour from Gainesville, so he's he's a diehard Gator fan. So I mean, the last twenty years of my life, you know, anytime we get together, we're all my brothers were wearing U gear, and he's got his blue and orange Gator gear on, and he flies back to games. So yeah. he's he's a, a, almost as big a Gator fan as I am Ute fan. He graduated from the U, married my sister, who's a diehard Ute fan. So we're all going to the game, and she's going to be there in her Ute gear. He's going to be there in his Gator gear. And uh, nice. their kids are actually split. Some of them are Gators, some of them are Utes, and so it should be fun. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, and one of the things I love, too, about this sport, college football, you have these universities just scattered throughout the nation, and some of them find a way to be good at football. And so look at the map of, like, college football royalty. You have Gainesville, Florida. What, what else would they yeah. ever be known for? Tuscaloosa, yeah. Alabama. You've got... Um, even Columbus, Ohio, I know it's not a small city, but they don't have any pro teams there, you know, like Columbus, yep. Ohio is Ohio State. And so it is, it's yeah. kind of cool to have places just pop up where it's like like Provo, Utah. Who, I mean, Provo sounds like a made-up word to most of the people in the country, but, yep. <laughs> but blue blood program there. We're talking about the volleyball? Did we switch to volleyball? What are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's just, oh, did we switch volleyball at some point? I'm not sure what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, that too. No, you're right though. Yeah, Dude, you I, look at I mean Baton Rouge, yeah. Louisiana, you know, uh, uh Ann Arbor, Michigan. Like there's mm-hmm. the truth is the only honestly the only true blue blood that I can think of that's in like a major city is is USC in LA, right? Can you think of anybody else? I'm yeah. just, I'm just off the top of my head. USC, even though they've been down yeah, last year, the they're they're really the only one I can think of that's in a big city. If it were a professional league, you'd have like a Syracuse or maybe even some like NYU. I don't know who would who would New York represent, and then uh, like Northwestern out of Chicago. But no, they're they're kind of no names. I just yeah. Miami. Miami has historically has been good, but they've got a long way to go before they get back there. Yeah, I, yeah, they do, they do. So um, yeah, man, I, I love college football, and that's what kind of concerns me with all that's been happening this off season with conference affiliation is I feel like mm-hmm. personally they're killing what's made it special, right? They're killing the golden yeah. goose by consolidating to these two or three power conferences. Like, like you said, across the country, there's 125 plus teams And 10, 20 years ago, literally any team could theoretically have a great season, pop up and play on the national stage. Well, now by consolidating everybody into two conferences or three conferences and just taking the biggest players, it's like killing off a bunch of smaller to medium teams that will no longer have that hope, right? Killing the killing the goose that that made them rich, in my opinion. Yeah, I I I don't know if you if I remove my own self interest from it and remove my BYU fandom and your Utah fandom. 
I'm not as worried because I feel like, like, just imagine in a hypothetical league with hypothetical teams, uh, you got the 10 best teams in the nation and they invite you and they say, okay, hey, we got the top 10 every year. And hey, Utah, do you want to come join this and play all of those teams every year? I mean, it's like you'd say, oh, wow, what an honor to be invited. That's where the money is. Let's do this. No brainer. Slam dunk decision. But then imagine 30 years of Utah winning two or three games a year. Like, I, I think it's something where it's going to find a way to where the athletes looking at where they're going to commit, where they're going to go, they're going to be attracted to success. And so I don't know if saying, hey, let's make this two-team uh, or two-league conference, super conference and have all the best players go there, I don't think they will. I still think the G5s will beat the P5s at the same rate that they always have, but it'll just look different because it'll be a different shape. It'll be the the p2 versus the p3 or the the p other two one of them's gonna get dissolved basically but i i still think there will be enough parody and another thing is people everyone enjoys cheering for the underdog when you're flipping channels on a saturday and you're like oh i don't care about either of these teams you want the little guy to win and so it's i think it'll still be fun it'll just look different well i mean i i can see your point there but i don't fully agree in the fact that I think when you're talking about, you know, there will be still teams from the outside. But, dude, like, I mean, if if you have teams, depends on the access. If these two leagues are sending, let's say the, the playoffs expand to eight, just hypothetically, and these two leagues are sending seven of the eight teams every year, locking out the rest of the country from access to the playoffs, then, like, the best players are going to go to the leagues that get playoff access and have, quote-unquote, the, the ability to get into the, the playoffs and win a national championship. I mean, I agree. There will be players that will be like, do I go to, say, Rutgers um, and and never win any games because they're on the inside, or do I go to Utah that's in the, in the remaining whatever leagues that I can play? I think there will be players like that, but I still think the majority of the better players will go to these bigger teams and the bigger leagues. And granted, the way it is now, I, I even think the way it is now kind of sucks. It's basically six or seven teams that have a real chance to win the playoff championship. Yeah. You got five, four or five SEC teams, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan. You know? That I mean that's basically how it is now, right? What I'm talking yeah. about, what I like what I want to go back to is like the nineties. And granted, we weren't as good in the nineties, but the fact that that you had regional conferences, I think that matters to fans. Even team like USC who's going into the Big Ten, I truly don't think their fans really are that pumped about it. They're excited to be on the quote-unquote inside. But, dude, regional rivalries playing against Washington and Oregon and Arizona State, these teams you've played for decades and decades, that matters a lot to fans. That's why I would like to go back to the 90s when there was 10 or 12 conferences, you know, the Southwest Conference, the Big 8, all these conferences that were regional. Were, what they should have done is figured out 30 years ago how to have a playoff then that could get mm-hmm. teams from each of the leagues. I think that would have prevented all this massive consolidation because teams from a whack like a 1994 BYU team could have made a playoff from the whack, right? Uh, or, yeah, or a, yeah. a 2003 Utah team from the Mountain West could have made it. If if there were a playoff in place 30 years ago, I think the consolidation of all this is not a factor. And that's what makes college football special, these regional rivalries, a team from your league. It's just it's just different. I know it'll look different. And, and yes, there'll still probably be teams that rise up and win games. But it's still just not the same to me. And I know that's an old school mentality, but I don't care. 
sue me. No, it's. I think it's true, though. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who says this is the most exciting era of college football. If you compare, like you were saying, 80s, 90s, when there were way less bowl games and every bowl game was special, that was fun. Even without the playoff, it was still fun. And then you have the overabundance of bowl games, and you have the BCS that, even though at the time we all complained about the BCS, like, oh, it's unfair, these matchups suck, I wish... I'd go back to that, man. I'd go back to that right now. Well, yeah, the BCS was good for you guys, (laughs) but but at the time, people complained. You know, people didn't like the BCS at the time of the BCS. You know, it it took, even for Utah... Just an amazing amount of effort to even crack in, you know, and say, okay, we earned our way in. I mean, you weren't given the benefit of the doubt. The the haves were given the benefit of the doubt. The have-nots had to really, like, go above and beyond in, in proving that. And so you'd say, okay, well, yeah, playoff fixes everything. And I don't think anyone would disagree that the playoff era of college football, at least in the postseason, has been the worst because of the lack of parity. It's been Alabama, Ohio State over and over and over again you know yeah it really has well lsu popped in there once or twice but it's just someone was saying of the playoff era here's the top 25 teams that ever were you know like say not not top 25 like only team can be in there once but of the playoff era the best teams and it was like 13 of them were alabama and maybe not, it hasn't been that long but it was like it was full of those and the reason i remembered is because byu 2020 made it in at, uh, I think, number 25 on the list. It was like, hey, awesome, we cracked this. And it was the only outlier. Every I think LSU was in there once, Oklahoma a couple times, and then it was just, ah, it was boring. Yeah, it is. It, it, it. I mean, every time they try and make it better, it makes it worse. And why? Because yeah. dude, m- money, ru- love of money is the root of all evil, brother. And yeah. there's, there's, there's nobody, there's not a single entity pulling the strings. You have... 20 different entities and conferences and leagues and presidents that are all looking out for themselves. It's just a bet, which sucks because it's the best sport, but it's the most terribly run. So, so I wish okay, I could well, go back in time to the 1950s, start a playoff then, and then have it going. I don't, I don't know. While we're on the on the uh, topic of love of money uh, being the root of all evil, I, I've said this and I've alluded to this once or twice, but I don't I don't want to have this be a strong take I pound regularly because I don't want to hurt people's feelings or offend people. But I do not think, even right here, I've got up on my screen um, the depth chart for BYU. And what's the ad right next to BYU's death chart? Depth chart. Any guesses? Is this a, well, I don't, is this a big uh, uh, Google ads? So based on your search history, so is this a Victoria's Secret, <laughs> Victoria's Secret ads? Yes. I just need to know what the secret is. It's so mysterious. <laughs> no, uh, DraftKings, daily fantasy sports, play free, win cash, pick contests, answer questions, and all that. I feel like gambling has become so much more visible in college football, and I think it's just going to gain more and more traction. And, and we overlook the fact that that's – it's an addiction that can ruin lives. It can tear families apart. It's something where I look at something like I see college football as being like so pure and wholesome and something I love. And to couple that with just this, uh, what recruiting people and advertising people to just start betting on every game. And I, given were it not that I feel as strongly as I do about the dangers of gambling, it looks fun. It looks like a, a great way to make your Saturday a lot more interesting and get you a lot more interested. But man, it's it's dangerous, and I just I don't like it. I agree, man. I, I I've 
tried my hardest to steer clear because I feel like I can, I would, I could do pretty, pretty good at it. But these casinos and places don't build these billion dollar properties because people are doing good at it, right? That's the problem, right? People that gamble mm-hmm. most of the time, it's not, it doesn't end up well for them. But there has been a lot of changes in college football the last ten years that, in my opinion, have really made it not as enjoyable as it once was. You talk, we're talking about the consolidation, but also like the ability to just transfer whenever you want. I know it's mm-hmm. better for the players, but like you now that you have teams recruiting other guys, like this this receiver that's at USC last year's Belitnikov winner, you know Jordan Addison, he was at Pitt, and then Al, uh, they they start like uh, kind of throwing it ideas out there. Maybe you should transfer to USC, and all of a sudden he enters the transfer portal and ends up at USC. Like the ability for big power teams like Alabama did it to a receiver at Louisville. And they tried to mm-hmm. do it with Dalton Kincaid. You had some of their guys saying, Kincaid's about to enter the transfer portal. He's probably going to go to USC. You know, like, the, that thing is really – they've got to figure a way to, to hone that in because I, the fact that these these good mid-level teams could turn into, like, feeder programs for the top guys, you know, just consolidate mm-hmm. power more, that part really sucks. The, the NIL stuff, which I, I understand these guys need to, you know, be reimbursed, but, like – the fact that there's there's play, there's collectives that fans are putting together millions of dollars to buy players over to them, like there's got to be yeah. they've got to find a way to, I don't know to to I don't want to like legislate it, but somehow hone it in to where it's not this like wild west of let me get that player from that team I'm going to offer him a million dollars to transfer, I don't know unless they make them I, I it's a huge problem there's no correct answer I get it but I just don't like the way it's gone. Well, it's. And this is naive for me to say, but I don't feel like academics should be an afterthought. You know, like when you look at all the vast number of athletes with NFL potential and then the very, very small number of those that make it, it'd be nice if if decisions of transferring were made with the best non-athletic interest at heart as well. Not saying everyone has to go where their academics are the best, maybe the best fit for them, but it's kind of a slap in the face of your academic plan to just be like, oh, go here for a year, then there for a year. Like, that's not a that's not a good way to do college in general, you know? I know. And, and, and dude, it's, it's hard because people are saying things like, oh, they're, they're, you know, they need to get money for themselves. They're, they're free agents. Well, fine. But, like, you look at the NBA, you, you, you're a free agent. You sign a contract for four years. You don't, you don't go yeah. there for yeah. one season and say, screw it. I'm going to now go to the Lakers and go to the Lakers for years. Say, All right, Lakers sucked. I'm going to go to Golden State. Like, once you commit to something, you, you, mm-hmm. you're bound by a contract. So maybe contracts are the way it should go with these, with these players. I don't know. That could be, yeah. That, that may be because then that's the thing. Once, a, like, say you're USC and you've got a certain receiver locked up for four years – I mean, that's a risk-reward for you. It's like, hey, if he pans out, we're committed to him either way. If he doesn't pan yeah. out, we can't replace him with someone else and kick him to the curb, yep, you know? Yep. I mean, it, and maybe that is the answer is is a commitment terms, two years, four years, whatever it is. Yeah, because that's the thing that really worries me is we could have a player just break out of nowhere and say, all right, I'm heading back now to, to Alabama. Or, like, I just yeah. think about Pitt fans and my heart aches for them. They have this receiver that's like a once-in-a-lifetime receiver, like a – the best receiver in the country and then after his years like okay see ya, i'm going to usc now like no no yeah. no penalties just whatever so it's it, it just it's harder I, you're right that that needs to be figured out maybe some sort of contract would be good but who knows i don't know I, i'm i'm we we're not we're not the uh we don't solve the world's problems here on this podcast 
we don't do all this research. We just sit here as a couple bros and talk, right? <laughs> we did on those episodes that went missing. We did. We solved yeah. a lot then. We did. Uh, we did. But yeah, I think it, I know a lot has been made in the past about um, uh, BYU fans would make fun of Utah fans that anytime a transfer would decommit from Utah. Uh, there were certain Ute fans that would be like, "Oh, it was he was offered, but it was a non-committable offer." And like, I know there is language in there, but but thinking about that on a much bigger scale of, uh, yeah, that that that's maybe the answer is you lock in people, and you only have so many you can lock in, but it's a two-way lock. You know, like, are you yeah. really gonna gamble on this fifteen-year-old being great eight years from now? You know, and it's got to be if they're gonna do that, they're gonna have to start tr- truly paying the players i think like the mm-hmm. funny thing is someone put it perfectly like the the big tens money that they got for their latest tv contract eight billion dollars is on par with like the nba and nfl contracts but yeah they don't have the the biggest expense that those leagues have which is labor costs dude they're paying you know oh, yeah so they're making all this money but they don't have the labor expenses like all right well you know what maybe it is time if if we've got collectives that are throwing a million dollars at a recruit Maybe it is time yeah. to just pay pay these guys. The money's out there. I, I, I'm a purist, and you are too. I can tell. Where it, back in the day, it was just about the school academics. You're getting a whatever. You come here for four years. You get your degree. You graduate. Those days are gone. So we might as well just go all the way and make them employees and pay them the money because the money's out there to pay them. It's not like there's not money to pay them. You said the words pig farmer a while ago. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and that's what I love. That's what I don't want to get away from. I, I yeah, would love, you know, to continue to just have somebody no one's ever heard of step up, be the hero, have his moment, you know, be someone that's like we can all be happy for him. And and that's to me that is uh, the essence of being like a pure sport of like, hey, someone who really came to that school for their engineering program. But guess what? He can run really fast. And so here he is on the field on a Saturday. You know, yeah. I don't know. We we maybe were born after our time. We were. We should, I say that all the time. I wish I was born in my dad's era, you know, the 50s, because and I, I, while I love smartphones and technology and social media, I would also love to not know what that means and not have that in my yeah. life, you know? Like you want to get a hold yeah. of a friend, you you go knock on his door, or you you give him a phone call, you know, or, or mm-hmm. you I don't know. Now now we're getting way way off track. It, so it's a trade off because I do love watching BYU from three thousand miles away and being able to talk to other people who share that same passion at the same time. That's that is the nice thing about this era. It is, but you know what? If you didn't have that, if you were a dentist in North Pole, Alaska, in the fifties, maybe your passion would be just living in god's country and uh and <laughs> waking waking up without having to talk to people across the country you know maybe you just be a peaceful happy existence instead of stressful because of a loss to i don't know baylor or something i don't know that'd be that would be kind of fun in some alternate reality if you could do if you could like talk to a homesteader in the middle of nowhere in the 50s in alaska and say hey Let's do a podcast and just and just see what kind of things are on are on yeah. that person's mind, being totally disconnected from everything. Dude, yep. I guess we're all born when we're supposed to be. All right, let's uh, yeah. so let's talk about some predictions. What we expect out of this football season? We are, after all, a football podcast. The yes. number one rated Utah BYU Alaskan based podcast. The number one rated Utah BYU Alaskan based podcast. We we carry that title. 
with, yeah. with pride. This year we are sponsored by possibly our biggest sponsor yet, water. Yep. We are sponsored by water. Cool, refreshing. It's what your body needs. Drink water. Uh, it's what your body needs. Everybody Eight support billion- water. Eight billion people worldwide know, love, and need water, and so it's yeah. it's a it's an honor to be sponsored by water this year. It's awesome. So. I, I would be promoting water even if they didn't pay us as much as they're paying us. It's, I highly recommend water. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that word from our sponsors. Uh, let's get back into what we're looking at. We haven't really touched on BYU that much. Um, truly looking forward to this season. They have a very challenging schedule, but one year ago at this time. We were hearing over and over and over and over again, we're returning the lowest level of offensive production, and that script has flipped. We are returning just about everybody. We have a very high, maybe even the highest, I can't, I've got the details lost in the weeds, but very high amount of offensive production. Uh, Due to defensive injuries throughout the year last year, we are deep on defense. We got a lot of experience for people that had to step up from injuries. Now everybody's healthy. And so looking at the defense, they're stacked. This team has potential. This schedule has potential to take a really good BYU team and propel them right into the top 10. So I don't know if that's necessarily my prediction, but saying it is a there's a path for that too. You know, they can make a few of these early games, get everyone's attention, get everyone's eyeballs and accomplish things that are uh, have not been possible in the past. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they do. Yeah, the schedule definitely sets up for that. It's it, it, it's you know in the past you could say oh they play six whatever crappy teams in November, but you've got ton of ranked teams on your team on your schedule top to bottom, beginning to end. So you you could if you win them, it sets up nicely for whatever you want out there. So the question after you then is what concerns do you got then? If so, you've got most of your team back. What are, what are what are one or two of your concerns about this team? My relationship with BYU in that they um, they seem to buy into the hype when it's least convenient. You know, they will step up to like playing number three Wisconsin and they win definitively. And so I'm seeing the October 8th matchup with Notre Dame saying maybe I'm not as nervous about that because Kalani can get his guys up for a game like that. But then... Next week, they're uh, facing Arkansas, who's in the top 25, 19. But it very well could be that after being in the media and everyone's spotlight for a week after beating Notre Dame, that they just get destroyed by Arkansas, even though Arkansas is not as good as Notre Dame. And so that that kind of identity of playing, not just playing to the level of their opponent, but kind of being a little bit uh, in their own heads with how good they are and, uh, and not preparing properly. So that's my, my number one concern is they just they haven't been consistently good. And to me, the factor has been what are people saying about them? How much are people talking about them? Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, looking at these numbers, they play number 10 team on week two, the number 11 team on week three, the number five team on week six. If they're 6-0, and oh, th- there's no way they're not a top 10 team at that point in the season. Oh, for sure. Um, okay, so we know for – for playoff purposes, to make the playoff, in the history of the playoff, there's been zero teams that have two losses that have made it. You need zero or one loss to make the playoffs. So you basically have two mulligans uh, to, to make the playoffs. or Well, one mulligan, really, I guess. If you lose twice, you're, you're out. So um, that being said, what is your, what is your uh, realistic ceiling for BYU this year? Is it playoff? Is it NY6? Is it nine wins? What are your thoughts? 
so this is an interesting year to think about that because I'll probably change my narrative for the first time in a decade. I have always said in the playoff era that BYU, because of the nature of who they are, they not only need to go undefeated, they need to go undefeated and have everyone they beat do really well as well. You know, it's not all in their control. They have to beat Arkansas and have Arkansas have a really great year. They have to beat Baylor and have Baylor be the number one team in the Big 12. Uh, this year, because they're on the brink of entering the Big 12, I think they would get more respect than they have in the past. So is it possible with one loss they'd be considered for the playoff? Yes, but because of the nature of the conferences and people looking out for their own, looking out for each other, I still think if if we're going to say playoff, this would need to be an undefeated BYU team. I, I don't think they get the benefit of, uh, of a conference membership just yet. But if they are 12-0 and 0 and... Uh, and it turns out that the teams they beat are just so-so or pretty good, but not amazing. Maybe they do get the benefit of the doubt where they wouldn't have in a previous year. Okay, so you're thinking 12-0, and get to the playoffs. Um, hey, yeah. an NY6 game is an awesome goal, awesome reward. You know, Having been personally to three NY6 games in the last 16 years, personally in attendance – I can attest, man. They're a lot of fun. They're 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 big time games, big time football. I remember standing in line to buy gear last year's Rose Bowl. Uh, I was about twenty people deep, and I look up, and above the stand where they're selling this is a Utah helmet facing off an o- Ohio State helmet, and it hadn't really hit me until that moment. Obviously, I knew we were playing Ohio State. Blah blah. blah. But looking at a Utah helmet facing an Ohio State helmet, I had this feeling like, holy freaking crap! This is the Rose Bowl. This is the Ohio State. This is amazing. So I can tell you, an NY6 game is awesome. In fact, I saw a prediction today for you, Brother Benjamin, that has BYU in an NY6 game by a reputable source. This isn't like BrighamHell.com or whatever those (laughs) – whatever they are. I I love the guys that give them Hell Brigham. (laughs) That is not a slight give them Hell Brigham. We love those guys. But but that I do want to go claim the website BrighamHell.com now because that just sounds awesome. (laughs) This was uh, USA Today actually had BYU in the Cotton Bowl. So that's pretty exciting for you. NY6 game. So okay, so real yeah. so those those are pie in the sky then. Talk about let's do a prediction for you real quick then we'll talk about the Utes and then we'll wrap this baby up. What is uh, if what, I, what's your actual prediction for this season record-wise? If if I were betting money, which I encourage our listeners not to. <laughs> but if I were betting money on this, a substantial amount of money, I'd say they're going to have two maybe three losses. They're not going to make a New Year's 6 bowl. They're going to just get one of those normal like, "Oh, by the way, here you can go play there." In fact, they're already locked in, but I don't know uh, like they have these bowl agreements set up before the season. I'm not sure what it is this year, but uh, I would imagine it'll be a lot like last year. The bowl game will be disappointing because three losses are going to keep us out of something amazing. Still going to be an awesome season, but it's going to set us up nicely to say, well, at least we have next year in the Big 12, and then we can really show what we're capable of doing. So uh, I'm not I'm not going to be overly optimistic and say we're going to do the playoff or going to get to a, a New Year's Six Bowl this year. Uh, still going to be a lot of a lot of fun. Good season, great memories, but uh, our favorite moment of the season will not be the end. That's that's what okay. I'm expecting. Gotcha. So you say nine yeah. and three, ten and two, that range. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say nine and three would be my uh, my prediction. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, that should be. I mean, anytime you can, dude. 
I think people get caught up in like these pie in the sky uh, predictions and disappointed. Anytime you can win nine or ten games, that is a good year with a lot of exciting games and uh, events. Or well, that was a terrible sentence. That's a good year with a with a ton of exciting football. I think nine or ten wins. Well, and looking at the the Etsy little cursive writing that you have on your wall right behind you, life is not about the number of breaths we take, but the number of moments that take our breath away, which I, I love that. that that's how could you read that? How could you read that? That's, <laughs> it's, it's backwards, first of all, based on the cameras. And second of all, it's really small font. I don't know how you saw it. Really you wrote it with a pen right behind the eye level right there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how I view football is – Looking back through all the decades that I've been a fan, they all blend together like a collage. I remember the times that, like, I've made my children cry because I was yelling so loud because I was so freaking happy, you know? And those are moments. And every year has the opportunity to give you some amazing moments. But, you know, I don't sit there at the end. I don't have, like records framed and on my wall or yep. anything you know yep. it's 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 gonna be a fun season yep yep and and truthfully the quote that is, is hanging behind my head he misquoted it it's not the <laughs> etsy quote the quote is no pain we suffer no trial that we experience is wasted it ministers to our education to the development of such qualities as patience faith fortitude and humility by orson f whitney so that is the quote nice. that's helped me get through some difficult times lately. No pain we suffer, no trial we face or experience is wasted. And that's a, a good thing to try and remember when you're going through difficult times. So, uh, sure. well, good, man. Yeah. Good, good, good predictions for BYU. For Utah, um, Utah, as we mentioned, they've got a lot of hype. We've got almost everybody back as well that's contributed, uh, with, the, with the exception of Britton Covey and Devin Lloyd. Covey was the was the spiritual leader, and he, I mean, dude, he was awesome. As you saw in the Rose Bowl, he was an awesome player. Devin Lloyd was an incredible player. We've got to replace both those guys, but we're replacing, we've got our, our first-team All-Pac-12 quarterback back. We've got our first-team All-Pac-12 running back back. We've got most of our offensive line back, most of our defensive line. We have maybe the best cornerback in America back, Clark Phillips, uh, who was spectacular in the Rose Bowl. And so we got a lot of guys back. Most importantly, we got our head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator back, coaching consistency, players back. So we should be really, really good this year. I, however, am smart enough to know that predicting an undefeated season is never wise because it is almost impossible to go undefeated. It just is. Unless you are Alabama, who literally gets the top 25 of the top 200 players in the country on their one team every year, it's different. So my thoughts are Utah – and it all depends on what happens in this Florida game. If we open with a win there, then I think we, we, we're on track for a top 10 season all year. I think we end 10-2 and two with, with losses to two of the following four teams. Florida, USC, USC UCLA, and Oregon. Somehow in there, two of our, two of our losses will come from, from – to, uh, from one of those four teams or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Gosh, my link, my, it's, I can't speak. It's been quite a while since UCLA has beat Utah, right? When was the last time UCLA won? Mm. I mean, if we're... Top of my head, uh, 2016. No, let's see. When was that? 2016. We were ranked, I think, number eight, and they came in. We were wearing black jerseys and white helmets, and hmm. and we didn't score a freaking touchdown. And we were we were we we were leading the South, and all we had to do was win that game, and then we would have. Pl- 
uh, put mm. ourselves in contention mm. to win the South. I think it was 16, yeah, because the following week we lost to Oregon with Darren Carrington scoring with two seconds left. But it got yeah. derailed. It got derailed the week before with with a loss to UCLA. We were like eight and one at that point. They came in and beat us like 17 to six or something stupid. It was a really stupid yeah. game. And then Colorado of all freaking teams won the South that year. But yeah, that was the last time they beat us. But I think we won like so, five of the last six against them. So why is it? Why are you including them? Because I agree with the other three. I agree. Um, you know, possibly, uh, you said Florida, Oregon, USC, right? Yes. Yes. I, I, think I can see I've, those. Yeah. Go ahead. I just think that UCLA is primed to have a good season. It's been a while yeah. since they've been really good. Chip Kelly is, I think, going into his fourth or fifth year, and he's slowly kind of built momentum. Last year, they won eight games. They returned their starting quarterback, DTR, who is not spectacular, but he's a good, solid quarterback. I think it could be a year. That, and, and, and granted, that's a reach, I, I would say. Of those four teams, for sure, that's a reach. But it's at UCLA. It's the week before the USC game. So you got the potential for a trap game. Um, USC, UCLA should have a lot of momentum because their schedule is pathetic up to that point. Literally, they should be 4-0 or 5-0, whatever it is at that point. Um, and then I just think it, it could be something where we go in maybe a little overconfident. They are talented. They are going to be better this year, and it could be one of those games we lose. Like last year, we lost to Oregon State. We should never lose to Oregon State. A Rose Bowl team should never lost an Oregon State team, but we did. The ball bounced a couple ways. So look at look at here's who UCLA plays before they play Utah. They play Bowling Green, win. Alabama State win, South Alabama win, Colorado win, and then they've got Washington, who isn't who's coming off a crappy year. So they they probably be five and zero going into that Utah game, which will be in the Rose Bowl um, at, at you know at UCLA, and so it could be a game that UCLA gets. So that's why I'm predicting if we lose two games, it could come to from one of those four teams, or maybe even you could even I could even take out UCLA and put in Washington State because they're They'll be a pretty good team. Um, it's at Washington State. That could be a problem. But anyway, my prediction is ten and two with losses to two of those four teams, and then um, hopefully, hopefully, a Pac-12 championship game. Because this year, no longer do you have divisions; you have just the two best teams. So theoretically, Utah. Oh, really? Yeah, they. <coughs> excuse me. They scrapped divisions this year, so they're just gonna take the top yeah. two teams for the championship game. So. Technically, Utah, theoretically, wow. Utah and USC could meet again in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah. Is that is that what you would predict or guess or, you know, if you had to, to bet on two teams going to the championship? I would, actually. I would predict Utah versus yeah. USC in the Pac-12 title game, yeah. Interesting, yeah. I, I did not realize that was happening this year. That's a, I think that's a good move, but, yeah, yeah it makes yeah. it a little more intimidating, a little tougher path to get there. It does. It does. But it makes it easier to get to the Pac-12 title game, knowing that, you know, if you lose yeah. to USC, you could still beat them again back in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. Flip side. Of All that. right, my man. Well, I'm looking forward to this season. Should be cool. uh, should be a lot of fun. My flight leaves in six hours, seven hours. Nice to, to Tampa get Bay. Backing. I do need to. I do need to get packed. How worried Actually, are you about the humidity? Not a, not during the game because that's that. I think that's all overblown. But walking around, that's yeah. not fun. No, I I am worried about the humidity a lot. Not for Utah, mm-hmm. but for my own personal discomfort because I, I obviously both teams have to play in the humidity. Granted, Florida's used to it, but Utah's got a lot of players that grew up in Florida and Texas. Yeah. You know? We've got like six guys from Houston, who's like, which is like the most humid spot on the planet. Um, right. we got dudes from Florida. So the humidity will be a tiny factor. 
in my opinion, but not something that will affect who wins, who loses. But humidity for me, I am not looking forward to it in the least. I hate humidity. I hate sweating out in public. And I, I, I'll i be jam-packed in the stadium. At least it's at night. At least it's not middle-of-the-day humidity. Night humidity would be a little more easy to bear. I don't know. I, I expect yeah. I expect Utah to come away with a victory there. I, I expect it's going to be close, though, man. People are like, oh, Utah's seven. Florida's got a new coach. Dude, they're still talented. They still got tons of yeah. speed. I, I think it's going to be something like a 28-27 or 31-28-something type of game where one bounce of the ball could go one way or the other. I, I hope we come away a victory. If you put a gun to my head right now, I'd say Utah wins 31-27. But also, I would not be surprised in the least if Florida wins this. I'm I'm genu- genuinely looking forward to watching. Pop quiz, what is the state with the highest average relative humidity of all the states? Oh, I would guess I would guess Texas. It's Alaska. You're looking at it. It's Alaska. No Isn't that way? crazy? Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. That, I guess and, in the and, winter it matters, but in the summer, do you yeah. feel it so at all? Growing up in Juneau, I I think it's all that coastline that accounts for that. Yeah, you think so? Right. Uh, I mean, it's like you're practically like swimming when you walk to school, right? Yeah, well, I never walked to school, and I was only there for three <laughs> years. So, I, I I was a teenager too. I don't really recall the weather being something other than when it was really cold. I don't really remember thinking, "Man, this weather's too humid." Yeah. That's more of an adult thing. Now that I'm an adult, I realize that sucks. Yeah, yeah, no that that whole coastline down there, uh, which is large, has a lot of. Uh, relative humidity but but okay. you know maybe that's why no one plays football up here it'd be that's terrible. it the the yeah. juno douglas crimson bears bro they play football my don't sure they do don't be don't be don't be squatting on my jdhs crimson bears you, I, I gave my broken see. bones for that program i broke my arm my senior year was in a cast the whole year because oh, we played man. on a surface that was a mixture between of glacier silt and dirt and it turned to cement when it was dry, and I had a cast my whole senior year. JDHS Crimson Bears, baby. Let's not overlook the role the humidity played. I think the Utes would not have a prayer versus your Crimson Bears. It's, <laughs> it's so humid that nobody can humid. win. It's nobody. Humid. Agreed. All right, man. Well, I guess that that'll yeah. Yeah, sponsored go. by water, sponsored by goodness. Be kind, be good. Be you know, life's hard. People are going through stuff. Just be kind. I can't remember who said the yeah. quote. I'm gonna butcher it, but. Uh, treat everybody as if they're going through a difficult time, and more often than not, you'll be correct. You know, Henry B. Iring. Now, I don't know if he's the one that, that first coined it, but he made it popular. Okay, my man Hank. Yeah. All right. Yes. Well, until until next week, because as we know, we do this every week. The question is, will they be for public <laughs> consumption or for our own private enjoyment? That's what's undetermined. But until next week, go Utes. Go Cougs. <laughs>